Welcome everyone to another episode of Doze Knows. This episode is being brought to you in part by our friends at Green Energy Drink, Hurley, Kona Boys, Kona Coffee and Tea, Maverick Sport Fishing, GoPro, and on it. And you know what? On it has got something going on right now, and they're announcing the Alpha Brain Golden Ticket Sweepstakes to celebrate selling over one million bottles of Alpha Brain. On it is doing something special to say thanks. Inside each new purchase of Alpha Brain, the thirty or ninety count bottles during the sweepstakes period, customers will receive a golden ticket. That's a special pass that grants access to one of thousands of prizes, including the grand prize experience of an all-expense-paid trip to the Onnit headquarters in Austin, Texas. And guess what? Every entry is an instant winner. Coupon codes are still valid. Alpha Brain Instance, Alpha Brain 60, and Alpha Brain 14 are not eligible for prizes, though. So uh, go to Onnit dot com forward slash doze knows get your discount and get signed up for some alpha brain and experience what everybody else's experience and that's a lot of good memory because you don't lose your memory when you're taking alpha brain so go check them out at on it.com forward slash doze knows um also you guys can find me on all social media such as dozer dave and doze Nope those knows podcast on instagram uh dozer dave barnett and those knows podcast on facebook and those no dozer dave knows on twitter also you can go to my website at dozenos.com where you can get a more in-depth look at our guests links to our sponsors with all their discounts and promos going on and uh and just you can also listen to the podcast right there as well it's a pretty good deal um, this week on the show, I have a good friend. Uh, I love this guy so much. He is so freaking talented. Um, his voice is is angelic, is what it is. And he's uh, one of the top reggae stars out there right now. His name's Mike Love. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this show as much as I did. Um, he's got a great song at the end. I know you guys are going to like. Um, so let's give a big warm welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. Uh, what a night. The place was packed. That was great, man. Great vibe. You have definitely brought some of the biggest crowds out here, that's for sure. Cool, man. And a uh, big shout out to the Royal Kona Resort for having you and us. And it's yeah. a blast, man. Yeah, what a blessing, man. I'm doing it. I mean, at least for the rest of the year, I've got booked once a month. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of a cool gig for me to just pop over real quick from Oahu and you know, spend the night here and then fly back in the morning. It's cool. You know, I love the big Island, man. It's one, it's my favorite Island for sure. Yeah. The, you have so many fans here, dude. Yeah. It's like, 
Um, you know, I've seen you open up for a lot of these other bands, but everybody's more excited about seeing you. And it's, it's like Mike should have been the headliner on that one, you know. But um, Well, you know, I always feel like in those circumstances, it's like uh, we're not the headliners because it's like the the mass appeal of of a lot of the headliners is is there but but our fans are are like they they might be smaller in number but mm-hmm. in energy and in vibes like they're much much bigger so you know you're not going to have like you're not going to hear people afterwards talking about like oh yeah oh man the headliner that changed my life or the you know the headliners right. are a lot more about like partying and you know sure. just like but but you know people will walk away from our set going like yeah you know it's a spiritual experience and, and oh yeah and there and i mean that's that's kind of what i've realized is is really like kind of my lot in this thing like i don't necessarily need to get to the level of of you know selling out amphitheaters or whatever or or even i mean i just never have any kind of expectation for it i just mm-hmm. i'm just always thankful for whoever whoever comes and whoever's there and because it's like uh you know even if it's just five people when i started out it was like nobody and then mm-hmm. it was like a couple people and as soon as it was a couple people and we connected on that deep level it was like this is it man this is enough you know? right so whoever's there whoever comes it's enough right well you've got dude such a beautiful voice thanks man um it's i i'm sitting here watching you tonight and it's you hit notes I've never heard anybody hit it's <laughs> it's it's like angels you know it's seriously you were saying how spiritual it is but it's it's serious it's like angels you know singing at times I'm just like holy shit this guy is so goddamn talented it's a joke it's a joke so I'm I'm really excited for the whole world to get to know you here that that haven't heard you yet so Thanks, man. Um, you, uh, we met mutually through a good friend of ours, Tavana. Yeah, and I love that guy too. He's yeah. just an amazing yeah, character, and um, yeah. and you guys are playing together a lot. How's yeah. that going? Well, we started doing this thing um, on Thursday nights. We both uh, we both have done like regular shows at Hawaiian Brian's, mm-hmm. um, which my manager is the owner there. And, and, uh, so, you know, I play there like Monday, Mondays, Wednesdays and, and Fridays for a while. And then we were doing this Friday night gig and, you know, Tavana had been doing like, uh, I think a Tuesday night gig over there for a while. And then that yeah, kind Tavana of, Tuesdays. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then that kind of petered out and like, um, he stopped doing it for a while. And then we were doing the Friday nights over there. And I was like, ah, you know, it's like, it's hard to do a regular gig on Friday nights because everybody like that's kind of the night like a lot of stuff is going on. Mm-hmm. It's kind of better to like have a re- a regular gig on like a weeknight because then people know, you know, if it's on a Thursday they're like, "Okay, they're going to be there every Thursday and you know, if I can't go this week, I'll go next week or whatever." So you get like a good like regular crowd and there's not a lot of competition. Right. And then, so we were doing this Friday nights thing and it was like I was like, "Ah, you know, it's kind of been hit or miss." And I said to Lee, I said, why don't we, why don't we like switch it to Thursdays? And he said, oh, well, it's funny because Tavana hit me up today and he said he wanted to do a thing on Thursdays. Like, and I said, well, why don't we just do a night where, you know, he does the early set and we do the late set. And, and so we started doing that. And then, and then, um, you know, I said, man, we gotta, we gotta get together. Cause I mean, you know, we were in a, me and Tavana were in a band 
for many, many oh, years. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. When, I didn't know that. Yeah, when we were coming up, you know, we that's really like our, our first band together that we kind of got like, had a fan base and stuff. Uh-huh. It was a band called Melodious Solutions. And me and Tavano were the two singers, two guitar players. Rad. Yeah, and um, it was like our first band where we did original music and stuff, you know, so. Yeah, so I said, hey, we got to like, we got to kind of like do something where we can cross kind of cross our sets together so mm-hmm. so uh we're kind of working on doing like he you know sort of ends his set and then i come up and we do some stuff together right. and then i go into my set so it's cool man i love making music like you know tavana man he's yeah. just the kind of guy that he's like his happiness is infectious you know mm-hmm. he just he, every everywhere he goes people just are they gravitate to him man right. he's been a great a great uh teacher for me man i mean he's only a year older than me but i always mm-hmm. looked up to him you know we went to we went to high school together right we were on you know we were actually on our on my very first little league team when i was seven years old he ah, was eight years so old good. we were on the padres <laughs> you know man so so i've known him a lot of time a long time we grew up in the same town and 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 uh we both moved to la around uh right out of high school uh, he mm-hmm. moved to LA and then I graduated and I moved up there and, you know, we were like, we were both out there and kind of feeling like a couple of fish out of water, right. like a couple Hawaii boys in LA. It's like, you couldn't it's pretty much there, get man. a, you know, more, more, uh, bigger contrast, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and so we hung out a lot, man, and we played a lot of music up there and then we kind of like formed this, this group and it was just, um, the two of us for a long time and we just wrote music together and started playing gigs and started playing coffee shops it was like our first gigs really mm-hmm. you know and then and then we got a bass player and then we got a percussionist and we got a drummer and pretty soon we had a like a full band and then uh yeah that's the rest is history and we went wow. on for a long time and then we kind of like started doing our own things but man we've remained close over right the well i'd love to see how you guys mix it up because you're two completely different styles, you yeah. know. He's more of that that rock um, with a outlaw twist to him, you know. Right, man. And, and then you're bringing your reggae love in here. Yeah. And well, it's interesting, man, because we both like we uh, we came from like the same background, and we right. were in that band, and we were doing a lot of like what type what type of music it was, was that like, band? was a lot we were doing a lot of like a lot of reggae music so okay. like it was a primarily at first it was covers and we were covering like you know dave matthews and mm-hmm. ben harper and like a lot of this like really like kind of acoustic rock we both played acoustic guitars right and um yeah and we did a lot of we did a lot of reggae and then like sort of like i primarily shifted to reggae mm-hmm. and then at the time we, we started playing more like i was writing more songs and stuff and then tavana sort of towards the end he kind of realized like man i like you know we we sort of transitioned to being more of original band but he really only had a couple original songs at the time and they were reggae songs Mm -hmm. and then so we were mostly playing like my stuff and then when he would sing he would did did a couple of his songs and he did a couple covers and then i think he started to realize you know like if i'm gonna do this like he was doing gigs on the side doing kind of a solo thing and playing more like covers and doing a little more rock stuff and i think he realized if i'm gonna do this and like people are gonna like start to right get attached to my music it has to be original because 
And he just started creating his own style. Yeah, and, he's, yeah. and so he started doing. He formed a little band and and then recorded an album. And yeah, it's, it was just a, a totally different direction than what we when the direction I was going. So right. it was like kind of like a good time for us to both split and and we kind of both sort of formed our own styles right. at that time. Really. Now you grew up in a musical family, though, right? Yeah, for sure, man. That's that's rad. How old were you when you first started playing? Well, man, my my really my earliest memories are are playing music. I I had this this really great music teacher that I'm still in touch with. He's a steel drum mm-hmm. uh, player, and he he just I my earliest memories are like in preschool. Like wow. he, he would come in and bring like he would just bring all these instruments and get us all playing playing together and that's then so cool. and then throughout elementary school I played in his steel drum band mm-hmm. um you know and I I did piano lessons when I was young but like really some of my earliest memories too are of my dad like singing and playing cuz my dad's a, a musician a songwriter mm-hmm. and he taught me to play guitar he started me out on the guitar and and um you know so really like from from my earliest memories, it's been connected to music. That's so cool. Yeah, and my grandpa and my great grandpa are also like amazing musicians and composers. So, wow. you know, I kind of just. It's in the blood. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Well, what most people don't know until they see you in person is um, you have a freaking spaceship at your feet. Okay. Um, you have so many pedals. And knobs and stuff, and I'm watching you while you're doing it, and I'm seeing you loop. You're doing a lot of looping, yeah. um, and when it all blends together, it's just absolutely amazing. You've got it down so good that you've just created every single part of this song to work perfectly from just those first bits, and then blending them all together, and it just comes out just fabulous, dude. No, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah it's like a. I, I think it's uh, for me. It was always just something that I started out. Um, you know, I came from this this place where I was playing in a really big band, and then uh, you know, I, it was just hard to get gigs and make money in a, mm-hmm. in a ten piece band. And you know, I have wife and kids, and my wife just was just like, you know, we kind of like we're struggling. Like, did you ever consider? doing a solo gig she actually was like you know tavana he's been doing all these like solo gigs maybe he could like point you in the right direction so i called him up and i said hey man you know like my wife's like saying i should do a solo gig i gotta like start bringing in some more money and 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 he said oh man i'm I'm, like leaving town i got this gig on monday nights at o'toole's in chinatown and uh why don't you just take it over so i started doing it and it was like four hours and it was just me and my guitar. And so I, I was like playing songs and I was like, man, this is like pretty boring for four hours. Right. Just like, I mean, you know, you could be the, the greatest singer or guitar player in the world, but like, you know, for That's four a hours, long time. just, just yeah. playing your guitar and singing. I mean, maybe like Eddie Vedder or something, right. would, you know, like people would, would stay. But the, like, literally the only one I've ever seen do that is Chris Cornell. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, <laughs> you know, some guys could probably just like are, are that captivating. But like, I, I, so I, I, I just felt like, man, this, and it's like, you know, I'm, I was used to playing in a band and like playing guitar solos yeah. and stuff. I was just strumming my guitar and singing. That's all I could really do. And so I got a loop pedal to be able to just like strum parts and and oh, yeah. and and then be able to just loop it and be able to 
play a solo over it. And, you know? and a gig like that's super easy to start fucking with that kind right, of shit because exactly. nobody's really paying attention. Yeah. You can just start doing anything you want out there. Exactly, man. Yeah. And, and to tell you the truth, it was a Monday night and it was at this bar in Chinatown that had live music seven nights a week. Mm-hmm. And they paid me like a hundred I think it was 150 bucks when I started for this four hour gig. And sometimes, man, it would be me and the bartender the whole night, (laughs) you know? So, so you're right. I could literally just like, so like that thing that you see me, see me do downstairs. I literally never set that thing up and practiced at home ever. Not once. Wow. It was like I learned to do it on that gig. How many pedals do you have on that thing? You have so many pedals and knobs. Probably like 20 plus, maybe. Yeah. Easy. Yeah, right. But I, so I started with that one pedal and I would loop the guitar and play a solo. And then I, I got this other pedal that you could plug a mic into too. And then at that point I was like, Oh wow, I can like start doing like a little beatboxing and like right. beatbox and play a little rhythm. And then it's like, wow, I got drums and then I got another pedal that dropped the guitar down an octave so I could play bass lines. And then, you know, I had drums, bass and rhythm guitar. Yeah. And then it's like, once you have that, it's like you got a band. Yeah. And this loop pedal is like infinite loop, so you can loop as many parts as you want. Right. So once I had that, then I just started adding pedals to get different sounds and colors because it's like, you know, once you lay down that drum and bass foundation, then you can just really go. Because it sounds like there's so many people behind you. Right. If they weren't personally watching you right up front, they would think it's a whole giant band. Yeah, it's funny, man. A lot, I like still to this day, a lot of people will like, you know, like even musicians will be like, oh, so like, what are you using to like play your tracks? And I'm like, no, I'm just, it's all, it's all completely a hundred percent. Nothing is pre-recorded. It's all just created live, you know? So good. Yeah. But it's like, it, it's, it keeps it organic, you know, because right. like you can easily get caught up in like electronic stuff and I could easily like bring a computer and play some loops and some pre-recorded stuff and a lot of bands do that now where they have you know tracks that they play along with and it's like you know you'll hear like horn parts and there's no horn players there and it's right. just like they're pre-recorded and they're just playing along with a click track and so how how is it whenever that you hook up with a band so sometimes you have a band yeah oh yeah I play does it I, fuck no. you up a little bit because you're like hey I'm used to doing uh, this no, honestly, man, I play more with a band now than I do right. this thing. You know, I, 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 over the years, like the thing that was great about doing this Monday night gig is like when I first started doing it, I realized how terrible I was, <laughs> at, like by myself. And I realized that it's like my timing and, and just like trying to, trying to hold up something all by yourself mm-hmm. is a whole nother story than playing. I'd been playing with a band and when you have all these instruments going at once, it's like, you know, if you're playing like sloppy, you might like think like, Oh, maybe it's the drummer that's playing sloppy or, or right. maybe it's the keyboard player or something. And you don't necessarily realize it's you. And if everybody's kind of playing sloppy, you just kind of got a sloppy loose band right. and it's like, whatever, you know, you kind of, kind of, hide behind that you don't realize it's you Mm -hmm. and then you start playing solo and you're like wow man i'm like i'm gonna tighten my shit up man and and especially the looping thing because you know you record yourself and then you play yourself back 
Mm-hmm. And then you got to like listen to it and try and play along with it. And if and it's like it's tough, man. And just like playing a a guitar part with no drummer and keeping it like nice and tight in the pocket is like it's tough, man. Guitar players are like you know, we're not like drummers to where like you know, when you're playing a rhythm part the drummer is like if the drum is if the, if the rhythm of the drummer's off, you're like, yeah, oh, it's yeah. off. It's the drummer, you know. Yeah. But a guitar player doesn't necessarily think like that. So this really forced me to start thinking about my own timing. And, and I started like, you know, I hadn't like been tapping my foot and keeping myself, keeping the tempo straight. So I'd play these loops and, you know, it'd be like 16 bars and it comes back around to the beginning and I'd have sped it up like a you know, five BPM or whatever. And right. so it plays and it starts and all of a sudden, like it jumps really, you know, like, and it's going faster and then it gets slower and slower and then it goes faster and then it right. gets slow. Do you and have like a control a right there where you can control that speed? No, you can't change the speed of it, man. I yeah. mean, it's like what you play is, is what you get, right. you know? So if you play it fucked up, it's going to play fucked up over, over and, and over and, and over, over for the whole song you that know? sucks <laughs> yeah so it's like but you can control the volume of it you can control so you the can volume. Kind of tune yeah. that down if it's really bad well yeah but like but then you're like missing the part that that True. you need to be there you know True. so it's really just like you got to play good right and i mean you know it's like the kind of thing where that there's always room for improvement and i'm like as 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 like a million times better as I am of it at it now than I was when I started. It's like there's still so much room for improvement, you know? Yeah. How long have you been using that now? I think like over 10 years, man. Really? It was over 10 years that I started doing that. But, you know, it was cool because like you said, you know, it's like people, it's it's kind of this thing that I just did to fill up time mm-hmm. and make a sh- make my show more interesting as a as a, a person just one person playing and i didn't do like i didn't do looping to like have a gimmick i did it because i had these songs and like i i write in in my band i write and i arrange everything you know so i write all the horn parts all the all the drums all the bass everything and so i really have that mentality when it comes to a song so like bass lines and things like that, they're like really important to me. Oh, absolutely. So if I'm playing a guitar and I'm just playing like the rhythm part, I'm like hearing everything and I'm like, man, I wish this was there. So as I was doing the looping, it was like, oh, this is a way for me to just do all that stuff that I hear myself. Right. I was watching you tonight and you set your um, guitar part and then I saw you switch it, boom, right into the bass part Mm -hmm. and then reset everything up and then boom. Yeah, and then, you know, a couple rounds in, you got drums and bass and rhythm and you're going, you know, you can yeah. start singing. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Yeah, and so, you know, it's like I I did that to make the songs have more life and, and, and kind of be more accurate to where, you know, to the way that they were written. And and it just kind of, you know, it, it was kind of just a, a circumstance that it happened to be this kind of different thing that, Mm-hmm. not a lot of people were doing and and it attracted attracted people so i did this monday night gig and then you know after a little while a couple of people that were just there were like oh this is cool and then those couple of people started coming back and bringing their friends and then pretty soon like after i'd been doing that like you know every monday night for a couple of years it was like their best night of the week right you know and the place would just pack out every monday and that was kind of like where it all started and that and all my gigs with my band that I'd been playing with sort of like 
started to fizzle out and then I just started doing this thing more and more and more. Yeah. And it became my main thing. And that was like the beginning of my solo career. And I recorded an album with all this, you know, and, and really, man, the, the, the most beautiful byproduct of it was that when I started doing it, like, like I said, I'd been doing all this arranging and I played in this big 10 piece band and I'd been so focused on like, making these crazy arrangements and like just having like cool like time changes and and really cool breakdowns and like really big vocal parts and stuff you know and and I realized when I started playing that gig I I couldn't play like 90% of that music cuz mm. it was so reliant on having a big band and being able to have like these big horn parts that came in and it's like yeah that song really isn't much right. isn't much without that part and so I realized, man, you have to be able to play a song like in the end, if you just like have a guitar in your voice, you have to just be able to like play it and have it have as much impact as if you had a huge band. You have a lot of impact, bro. And that's what I discovered from that. It's like you have to be able to like there has to be a reason for that song and it can't just be like all flash. It has to be like a, 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 really powerful message and energy behind it mm-hmm. and and if you have that you can just have a couple chords and you know like man some of my you know some of my favorite songs are like really really simple songs you know i close the night with imagine right tonight i love I mean, that one. The, the majority of that song is just two chords it's such a simple song but like that's a song that like you can just play with a guitar and a, and a voice and it's like the the song itself the lyrics are like so amazing and timeless and powerful you could play that song a billion times and it would never lose its impact yeah. you know yeah and it's like that's that those are the kind of songs that i strive to write because i want to help people and songs like that help people and yeah. wake people up and lift people up and give them hope and give them strength so that's what i realized man is like you got to be able to do it by yourself and have it just have the same amount of impact mm-hmm. as you do. I mean, I love playing with a band. And so, you know, from there I built up, like I did that thing solo for a while. And then I added, a, you know, a percussionist. And then we added a bass player. And we added keyboards. And pretty soon I was back to a, a big band again. Um, and my band's called The Full Circle for mm-hmm. that reason. But what I... I came back to that full band sound and be having the big arrangements again with the mentality of it has to be about the song, you know, right. and all of this stuff has to support the song. It can't be the song, you know? Yeah. Um, I know one of the songs that you did tonight was right before imagine that really brings everybody out and it was permanent holiday. Yeah, and that one just, Oh my gosh, there's so much to that song mm. and it's such a beautiful, I'm, personally about to go on a permanent holiday (laughs) two more weeks i'm out of here or a week and a half but uh yeah the people just absolutely love you it's just and i'll watching all the kids the kids just want to run up there and sit right up in the front and dance yeah man it's so good it's awesome yeah yeah man i mean you know you you strike me as somebody that's already on a permanent holiday and that's like really what that song is about it's like um it's like this permanent holiday that I'm on like I came from a place like 
probably like you and and most everybody else uh where you know we worked these shit jobs and mm-hmm. like and like struggled to to pay our rent and like and worked for these companies that like you know I was a manager at Blockbuster Video man it's like <laughs> right. you know it's like you you work these jobs and it's like it's not fun you know nobody likes to do these jobs and 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 you're supporting these corporations that like they don't give a fuck about you and 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 you're and and these corporations are supporting a system that doesn't give a fuck about you and it's like you know we're all sitting here going man like this system sucks you know it's like designed Mm -hmm. to keep people low vibration to keep people under control to keep them working in those jobs absolutely and, and that's really what the song is about and like you know there's a guy that from australia that that came to me tonight and he told me a story that i've heard thousands of times and he said you know man i i, I heard your song permanent holiday and i just listened to it for two weeks straight and like I quit my job and I started working towards my dream and now I'm just like living my dream and 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 doing great and it's like that's really what permanent holiday is cuz we we all got to yeah. survive we got to make money we got to support our our families we got to support ourselves we got to pay our bills but we don't have to do we don't have to sacrifice our happiness or our peace of mind mm-hmm. or our integrity for that and that's like what the system kind of seeks to oh i was doing i was doing that my whole life man luckily the economy took a crap just killed my industry i had to reinvent myself yeah man and sometimes the universe just does that yeah and now look we get to hang out just bullshit yeah man i get to travel have fun i I travel around the world playing music man and i I I take care of my kids and, and my wife and a bunch of other people doing it too you know so much happier yeah and it's like, man, you know, like whether I was, you know, if I was, I, I'm, I'm doing, you know, pretty well, man. And I, and I, uh, I definitely, uh, you know, it gets better and better all the time and I'm able to support more and more people all the time with it. And it's, it's amazing. But I mean, even if, even when it was like just enough to scrape by and like, you know, we didn't, you know, we just barely had everything that we needed. It was, right. it was always enough. And it was like perfect because I knew I was doing something that was making people happy. And I knew I was a better father and a better husband and a better friend because of it. Because, you know, it's like, man, you can't like, there's only so long you can go to that job day after day and come home and like Mm -hmm. so tired and you have barely any energy for the kids. And there's only so long you can do that before you just like die inside, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and we see people all around us. And so I'm just trying to, I just, with that song, I just try and remind people that the message of it is not really about like what we think of as a holiday, which is like taking your two weeks a year off of your job to like, go to France or, or, or Costa Rica or whatever, you know, (laughs) it's like, which is great. And I mean, even if you are on a permanent holiday, you still, you still should take a holiday from that because it's like, you know, being on a permanent holiday is about working hard. Right. And I work super hard. Like, you know, a lot of times I go with, but it's, it's, it's not all, it's not also about trying to get everything you can get in the world too. You know, uh, minimalizing. Yeah. 
and and enjoying everything totally with man. with uh, the little that you have totally you know? i mean we get that's that's part of the the system is it's like you know convinces people to be consumers and mm-hmm. to think that you know happiness comes from possessions and and comes from a bigger house or a better car or you know and so people like you see people and they're working these like jobs and like barely getting by but they have like such a nice car you know yeah. and, and i still the drive the iphone car, man and my, 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 i i paid 1700 dollars for the car that i drive like my 10 little years old ago. forerunner <laughs> does great man, yeah, man it and goes I perfect anything. i don't need anything more man it still runs i, I was, like barely i was talking ever. to my friend my friend shane the other day and i was like Man, I think I need to get a new truck. He's like, "Why? That thing's just running perfect." I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah. fuck that truck." Yeah, right, man. And I mean, you know, it's like, what? What is if it's if it's still going? And uh, you know, it's like it's really just like that mentality of, you know, we're kind of trained and conditioned to like, oh, look that that. 2019 Forerunner has that right. like, has that like you know all wheel sensing and like uh, yeah. it'll be safer you know or like you know or it's got like you know ah uh, you know. so funny because I grew up on Oahu mm-hmm. um, and I come from a family of six three boys three girls nice. along Brady bunch you know my yeah. dad was in the Navy mm-hmm. and you know we never got anything new mm-hmm. you know we never got to eat the good good sugary cereals right (laughs) my mom took care of us properly you know his cheerios excuse me checks and team and wheaties totally and uh i never got new clothes Mm -hmm. it was always the Mm hand-me-downs for my older brother of course so uh but that's how i grew up so it was pretty simple you know me too man my both my parents are teachers you know and they they like really really were super frugal uh you know and they saved up and like bought a mm-hmm. house you know but they were making i mean they were on te- they were both on teacher salaries and like right. you know and and so man i mean like we drank like powdered milk yeah growing up you and know? condensed and like, milk <laughs> yeah just like i mean like dude and it was like you know it was like they they were really like 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 you said we never got those kind of cereals and stuff we never really got like yeah, i got you know, government like, cheese we, the big blocks <laughs> yeah man yeah totally <laughs> exactly and we never got like the like the designer name brand clothes and stuff like totally. that and it was kind of like growing up you're you're like kind of like ah oh, man you know like all my friends got this stuff and like but like it really like made me really thankful for what i had and and it also like it it taught me that you know life is not it's not about possessions it's not about you know the next the next best thing it's about appreciating what you have and and loving where you're at yeah i try to uh just do everything i can for other people instead of myself yeah man so, um, live, yeah, yeah, I'd much okay. rather see other people yeah. be happy, and uh, if I've got more than they do, then here, take it. Right, man. Because I mean, uh, you know, this life is the the main reason we're here is, is yeah. our relationships, man. And uh, I learned that going through a divorce, yeah. you know. <laughs> and she's like, "I want everything." I'm like, "Okay, uh-huh. take it." Yeah, it's just stuff, right? 
You know, it literally means nothing is to me. Is it worth fighting over? Is it's it worth, not worth, is it worth fighting ruining over. ruining your life for the next two years in court? Like, no. you know, spending all your money on a lawyer to, to, to try and like hang on to some of this stuff. Fuck it, man. Just let it all go. Start just over. Let it go. You know? Start over. Yeah. It's and like just, you know, gonna, hey, I got a surfboard. Right. I got a backpack. I, mean, I got yeah. my car. Yeah. And if so. that's going to make her happy, then, then good, you know? Yeah. And hopefully she's happy with all that stuff. And <laughs> uh, no, she's still not happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's probably why you guys got divorced. <laughs> exactly, exactly. How many kids do you have? I have four. Four? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, three boys and one girl. Yeah. Nice. Good for you. How old are they? Yeah, my youngest, well, the boys are eight, 16, and 23, and my daughter's 18. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I guess, so the three older ones, like my, uh, my oldest son actually just moved to LA like a week ago. Uh huh. He's like really, uh, he's really set on, on being an actor, man. You know? Really? Yeah, Good he's, for him. he's like a, man, I mean, he's, He's an incredible kid. He's I've like got some directors super, I can hook him up yeah, with. Yeah, please, man. Yeah, yeah, he's. I mean, the thing is, he's the kind of guy that, like, I know he'll succeed because whatever he does, things just kind of fall into his lap. He's like, he's like really, really, really handsome and super, super charming. So, nice. like, you know, like he he when he started working, like he was like he's. I don't know how he got it, but he got this job at like a hotel at the modern hotel in Waikiki. Right. No, and he no. was like a, he was like a pool waiter at 16 <laughs> years old and he was making like, tw- he was getting his salary was 25 bucks an hour and he was getting like tons of tips and he's just like going. I, like, I started at five bucks an right, hour. Bro. Right, man. I'm like, you know, and he was like, <laughs> and he worked there a little while. He's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm thinking about quitting. And like, I was just like, dude, Man, you do not realize like there probably like 80% of people will like work their whole lives and never make $25 an hour. You know, and I was just like, man, it's but then he like quit that job and then he just got like another job, like just like it, like, you know, I'm like, man, and he went and he he moved to New York for a year, Uh uh, you know, and he just like, uh, and, and my wife's best friend, his, his godfather, hooked is is in like the fashion industry and just hooked him up with this like really great job with like a photography agency and like he was like making good money and he was like you know and like bobby the friend was like yeah you know he got hooked up in this job there's like guys that are just like interning and not getting paid and like they're they would kill for this job and he's just like walked in here and got it you know so i think he's gonna do good in la man he's got that hawaiian vibe too yeah he's just super chill and like he's kind of like a chameleon so he can like really like you know like you'll meet him and and just like everybody just loves him but he's a beautiful person man and i know he'll i know he'll be successful and yeah i'm just trying to support him any way i can yeah so he's out the house and then my daughter uh, is 18 and she's she's graduated high school and she's just working and then i got one more son in uh in high school he's gonna graduate next year and then my youngest son is really like kind of the center of my universe now because the older ones are you know they're always like i mean two of them still live with with us but they're hardly ever home you know man they're teenagers they're just like you know, my daughter's out with her girlfriend always at her house, and then, and then my son is like always just with his friends. He's always at the beach, man. I know it's been it's been a pretty weird last few months for me because I have three boys. My oldest one is thirty one, 
He's actually nice. a gospel rapper. Wow. Yeah. Cool. And he's just killing it. He's six foot eight. What? He's tattooed all the way down. He's huge. Crazy. And you look at him and go, oh my God, this guy's scary. You know, <laughs> and he's like the biggest teddy bear in his career. Big old deep voice. And, um, nice. and then uh, my youngest just graduated. So I've been a full-time single dad for his whole life. Wow. And so now he's gone and he's out and I'm just all alone. Like, and I'm just like, <laughs> seriously, I'm like, what do I do? I come home to this big empty house and wow. I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's been weird. Yeah, I can't imagine. It's been imagine. really weird. Yeah, time's going to come for me, man. It's yeah, it is. Too. It's like, yeah, it's, it's weird even seeing like one no, of Wait till you get the grandkids too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I got man. a bunch of those. Oh man, nice. Oh yeah, yeah, man. I'm. I mean, I love babies, man. I, I do too. I, I, I welcome it with open arms. That's so but, cool. Uh, yeah, none of my kids are are nearly there emotionally yet. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's crazy, man. Because um, you know, uh, my three older kids are are adopted. They were my wife's kids when I when I met her, and uh-huh. they didn't um, they didn't have a dad in the picture, uh, really. At that time, well, uh, Charlie, the oldest one, uh, his dad, uh, was never there. He died before he was born. Right. And then, uh, and then the two middle ones, uh, their dad was kind of like, um, my wife and him had just kind of gotten divorced a little while ago. And, you know, I think he was just really, had really been, he, he kind of had the like Christian mentality of like, I'll go and work and you raise the kids. Right. So like he hadn't really been like doing too much in their lives. And so when, uh, when they got divorced, he like didn't really know what to do with the kids. And then mm-hmm. eventually he got like another wife and you know, he's, he's really, really good dad, really good dad now. And they go kind of, they go over there on on like, you know, back and forth. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but when I met them, they were eight, four, and two, and um, and they were just like I was. I was twenty four. How old are you now? I'm thirty nine. Nice. Yeah, and so like, you know, I, I immediately, and I was like, and I was like, always just like, I I don't want kids. I I I was at a point. I was twenty four years old. Right. I was like, You're I don't. Still I a baby. I wasn't thinking at all about having kids. And then, uh, you know, I met my wife and, and immediately met the kids. And I was just like. Well, it takes a real man, a real man, to take a woman with three kids. But it was like. at the, 24 years old. Yeah, but it was like immediately it was just like, it just kind of happened. And I just fell into it. And they like needed a dad. Yeah. And I was there. And they just like, we fell in love, man. I fell That's in love so with all cool. of them. And it was like the most amazing thing that ever happened to me, you know. Yeah. And then, and then I, you know, and then my wife always said, "Oh, we should have a, we should have a baby." And I was always like, "No, you know, the, uh, the kids we have are enough. They're they're amazing." And eventually, she talked me into it. So we had a baby, and he's eight now. Yeah, yeah, but man, you know, they're they're amazing, and and um, you know, it's just like seeing them and and as they've grown and and just kind of blossomed into their own individual people it's it's been such a amazing journey and yeah man i can't imagine like but 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 thinking about that you know it's like i think about my 23 year old son i'm like damn he's like a a year younger than i was when i started raising him you know it was like crazy man it's just a crazy thought yeah 
Um, so who are your inspirations? Oh man. I mean, my biggest inspirations are my kids, my, my, my wife, my parents. Uh, You know, I, 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 I look at it like this, you know, I have, I have so many, uh, musical inspirations and influences and, um, and my music was one thing. And then when I, and it had kind of started to shift and then I met them and it like, it became this like infinitely, it just became infinitely more dimensional. And that's really when people started connecting to it. And I think it was that change that happened in me when I started raising them that it kind of opened up. Well, it opened up my heart and it opened up my spirit and also opened up my mind to, uh, you know, thinking about everything so much more. And, and that came through in, in the music, you know, right? just all of that responsibility, uh, not only for them, but for their kids and, and their kids, kids and, and all, you know, it's like immediately you have this much greater purpose and much greater responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that transferred over into the music, you know? Uh, so that's, so yeah, my biggest influences and my parents, man, yeah. they're like my best friends and my biggest heroes. They're just the most amazing people. And they taught that's me everything cool. I know about how to live, about how to be compassionate. Well, they still live here in Hawaii. No, they moved uh, to California when my, my sister married a guy in the Navy ah. in, at Pearl Harbor and, uh, and they moved to, you know, Connecticut and they moved to California. And then my that's parents, funny. My parents did the same thing. My sister moved, married this guy who's a cop. They moved to Arizona, had a bunch of kids, so right. my parents went out there to kind of help, That's and now exactly they all live. My parents yeah. moved, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, they're they're up there, they're all up there now, and yeah, I'm just still holding it down in Oahu. <laughs> I know we're the only ones left. Yeah, 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 man. It's hard to leave. I can't. Yeah. yeah, and I travel a lot, and all I can think about while I'm gone is I can't wait to get home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, man. You know, me too, for sure. Yeah. It's so special. Yeah, man, it'll always be it'll always be home if I if I move and you know my wife's like really really antsy to move. She's like, oh, it's just crazy here. There's too many people, which I get. You know, there's like we're just jam packed, especially over there on Oahu. Oh my god, she's just like, oh man, I'm. I'm what do you guys do for fun when you're not singing? Oh man, we we go hiking a lot. You know, mm, camping we go hiking a lot. Yeah, we go camping. We go. You know, man. Do all kinds of stuff. My wife's a real homebody, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but we, you know, we like to to travel a bit, and you know, just yeah. I mean, she, she's. I'm super into. I've always super been super into hiking. Uh-huh. I love the beach, you yeah. know, man. She's not really a beach person as much, so yeah. I go hiking with her more, and then go to the beach with the kids. Right. But yeah, man. Uh, Fishing, surfing. Yeah, I don't fish. I'm vegan. Oh, so, are you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But I'm and I and I grew up in Hawaii, Kai, so I don't I don't I never really learned to surf, man. I've always been a body surfer, nice. body boarder. Nice, you know, man. I grew up in Kalama Valley, so I was like five minutes from Sandy's. Right, I was always at Sandy's, always at China Walls, you know, just like uh, always at Makapuu. Yeah. So I never really learned to surf, man. I mean, I can get up on a longboard, but you know, I didn't like not like the North Shore guys or the West Side guys that just yeah. Like, you gotta surf out there, you know. How long have you been vegan? I've been vegan. I don't really, I don't really know, man, because I haven't really kept track of it. But I've been vegetarian for, gosh, man, probably 
uh, about 20 years now yeah. and then vegan for probably like over half of that yeah. kind of vegan off and on the whole time but like full-on vegan for like at least the last 10 years right yeah yeah i told you earlier you know i hunt and yeah. stuff like that right. so mm-hmm. um, that's one of the cool things about being in hawaii you know mm-hmm. we can sustain both you know um both lifestyles you know and, yeah and you know, you go into the mainland a lot, and there's a lot of people that are just angry at each other. Right. You know, and we don't get that over here. You right, know? man. And I mean, I think like, uh, you know, you get, you get a lot of people like, especially in these big like metropolis areas, mm-hmm. you get a lot of people jam packed together, and and they're all like doing their thing, you know, like we were talking about working the job and, and, uh, you know, on top of that, they're like, you know, getting pumped full of like junk food and yes. just like food that's not even really food. And yes. like, you know, a lot, and a lot of like a lot of the reason to go vegan, you know, like you said, you hunt and like, um, you know, that's because I, I like to know where my food's coming right. from. Right. And like I, I always say, you know, it's like my personal philosophy as a vegan is if I don't, if it's not necessary for me to take a life to sustain my mm-hmm. life, why would I do it? Right. And, um, you know, and I, I mean, I, I would, I would, I'm sure I would say different if I was in a, in a tribal situation and, mm-hmm. you know, we're going for, you know, a week without food and we've been trying to gather food and there's nothing right. around and then there's a, you know, a deer over there or something. And of, co- of course, you know, in that situation, yeah. hunting is a way of life. It's a survival. Right. Right. Uh, but like, you know, and I, and I don't judge you for hunting. And I mean, I, I definitely, um, I don't feel it. Yeah. And I definitely think that like, uh, I can definitely respect people that hunt their own food. And that's a, that's a, uh, you know, especially in a sustainable way versus people that are just eating factory farmed like meat mm-hmm. nonstop. And it's just like that factory farms is like one of the most horrible <sighs> contributors to, uh, you know, yeah, and you just you have no idea. And like it's just it's just horrible. I mean, you, yeah. you you people like people don't even think about it and that they're eating this food and it's and it's an actual living creature that was raised in in the, a, in a torturous cage. environment yeah. that never saw the light of day. I agree. I'm 100% hormones against and that. steroids to to grow to to a you know ungodly to grow at an ungodly rate to be able to be slaughtered at mm-hmm. the age of six months old you know and and it's just it's a it's a it's a horrible horrible industry and it's and it's very very low vibrational food and so you mm-hmm. get people eating this low vibrational food and it's designed to keep them at a low vibration and it's right. like it's it's this industry that's it's so sad because it's completely the industry is the government they all want us yeah. On that low vibration. Yeah, the government subsidizes it. It's not actually a profitable industry. It has to be subsidized for the farms to make money. That's the crazy thing Mm -hmm. is like tax money is just going to pay these farms money so they can – because actually their product doesn't make them money. Not only is it like a horrific 
terrible, inhumane practice, but it's not financially viable. And so the government has to subsidize it to keep it afloat. And at the same time, it's like contributing to, you know, the toxicity in the air, the toxicity in the ocean, the toxicity in the global land. Global warming, just, yeah, everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's one of the biggest contributors to global warming. And it's so sad, man. And it, and it's like, it's just this kind of thing that most these people, and they're living on a, they're living at this low vibrational, so they're not questioning it either, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the hard thing about it. It's like a, it's a cyclical thing, you know, where it's like you keep people at a low vibration so they don't, ask questions you know mm-hmm. and they don't question like well maybe this isn't good for me maybe i don't want to contribute maybe i don't emotionally want to contribute to this you know well, that's what's good about the kids these days they're growing up different you know yeah. they're they're seeing yeah. this is bad yeah man it's you know children they let's make a children, change you know you know it's like they're they're a big part of the of the change that is happening that's gonna happen man and i see it in my kids uh, you know, and especially my youngest son, he's just like so different, man. And he's yeah. like so, so connected, man. I mean, he's always been able to see spirits, to see his spirit guides. Mm-hmm. Like from from when he was like a baby, he would just like, you know, he, he yeah, it's just very, very connected, man. Well, speaking of spirits, I ask this to every single one of my guests um, because I'm very connected. Um, I've personally dealt with a lot of different things, Mm -hmm. spirit wise, Mm -hmm. um, entities, ghosts, whatever you want to call them. Um, we live in, you know, especially Hawaii, the mana is so strong. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff that's gone on here well before we ever got here and it's Mm -hmm. still here, you know, um, or aliens or have you ever experienced any of this kind of stuff? Yeah, it's interesting, man. I mean, I, um, my wife is like very, very, um, clairvoyant, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, she does actually a lot of work with like, um, she does like, like space clearings and things like that. And right. like, um, she's kind of learned over the years and, and, um, yeah, man. And, and in our house, there's just been like, there's always been tons of, of spirit activity, you know? And, uh, yeah, just, just trippy stuff, man. I mean, like we've heard like, just like voices say things and like, like just lying in our, in our bedroom in the dark and just like heard something. And we'll just be like, did you, I'll just be like, did you hear that? And like, we'll both hear like somebody just say something and, and then like, ah, just crazy, like, like, like you just hear, like I'll be I'll be lying in the bedroom and I'll hear like the front door open. Right. And like, you know, you can't really mistake the sound of a doorknob turning, a sure. door opening, a door closing, right. and then footsteps. Yes. And then so I'm just like sitting in the bedroom oh, thinking, got like, chicken skin right thinking like, Oh, my wife just got home, you know? And then like I go out and look and there's just nobody there. Yeah. And it's like not the kind where like you could like mistake it. It's right. like, you know, I heard all that and it's just not, there's just nobody there. Yeah. And then, um, after a while, my wife, like, as she got more and more uh, in touch and, 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 um, with like spirits and portals, she discovered there was a portal in our house. Mm. Uh, 
and and she did the work and closed it and it's been very quiet since wow. then. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because I lived on Kauai for a while. Mm-hmm. And I was living up in Princeville, right up on the cliffs and everything on the golf course. And uh brand new house. Drew Brees, the football player, owns yep. it. Wow. And so uh I move over there like three weeks before my girlfriend and my son and all his little buddies. Mm-hmm. And brand new house. You walk into this house. There's a four bedrooms all the way down the hallway. There's this big grand staircase that just takes you straight up on the right. My bedroom's overhead. As soon as you get there, it's the living room, then the dining room, then the kitchen. And overlooking the staircase out of my bedroom is these louver windows. Mm-hmm. So I move in, and first day, all of a sudden I hear somebody walking up the stairs in the house. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hello? There's nobody there, you know? And then just nonstop keeps going on. All of a sudden TVs would turn on and off or oh. change channels while I'm sitting there watching it, or I'd be in bed, all of a sudden TV's just blaring, you know, and I was like, what the hell just happened? It's like some poltergeist. Serious, <laughs> serious. And then I would come home, cabinets are all wide open, mm. you know, yeah. and I'm just going, what the hell's going on? I never went in those bedrooms down below. TVs, lights would all be on. I'd come home from work, and I'm like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> Two weeks into it, I'm lying in bed, and I just started kind of blowing it off at this point. Mm-hmm. There's so much activity wow. going on. Yeah. I'm just blowing it You're off. Just numb to it already. <laughs> I'm numb to it. Yeah. And so uh, the bedroom, I had those can lights, so it's really bright in there. Mm-hmm. I'm watching How I Met Your Mother on TV, lying on the bed on my side, on my laptop, just kind of laughing and watching. All of a sudden, I hear somebody come up the stairs. I'm like, hello? There's nobody there. And uh, so I go back to what I'm doing. Within uh, maybe a minute later, I hear something on the side of my bed. And I reach over to look, and all of a sudden this brother comes up from the side. And he puts his hand on the bed, pushes down so hard, flips my laptop off the bed, jumps up, gets right in my face, holds it. And then just drops as, and he's laughing as he drops. I'm like, holy fuck. I jump out of the fucking bed. I run around the other side. There's nobody there. I look under the bed. There's nobody there. I'm seeing the handprints on the bed, my laptop on the floor. And I'm like, I'm fucking out of here, dude. I like grab my phone. I grabbed a pillow and I grabbed a blanket because it's like 1230. Ran outside, jumped in my freaking truck. And uh, this brother, he's a Hawaiian guy, you know, and he had that, you know how the Hawaiians get that ahu colored hair, you know, that blonder looking yeah. hair and uh, that super caramel colored skin, you know, um, no shirt on, super ripped, um, hair right down about here. And, uh, but he had no face. It was completely smooth, smooth, no indentions for eyes or extruding nose or anything. Just smooth all the way across. And uh, I go to work the next day. I don't even bother going in the house. And I tell the Hawaiians over there at the golf course, and I'm like, hey, you guys, you know, all the howlings, they're all laughing. But the Hawaiians are like, dude, do you have any idea about your house? And I'm like, no. 
they took me over to the house. They're like, see all that right there? Right on the corner of my house is an old famous hayow. They knocked it down. And there was a battle right there where my house is. And all the graves are on the other side. Crazy. And I'm like, holy shit. And this is this beautiful Balinese style house. And um, so I'd have the big kapuna come over and... um, she immediately went in and started blessing the house, mm-hmm. goes into the far back guest room, and there it wasn't a painting. It wasn't even a painting. It was like one of those old photographs, like that one right there. Mm-hmm. And But it showed like the coastline, palm trees, ocean, sunset. But his face was so prominent in that thing. There was like eight people with us doing this blessing in the house. Mm-hmm. Every single person just immediately looked and went, oh, my God, that's him. Wow. She had to take him out of the house. She goes, but here's the thing. He's not going to leave because um, this is his place. Um, he's literally tried to get your attention so many times, and you blew him off um, that he manifested everything he had just yeah. to come out. I was going to say, man, something like that is like, wow, that's yeah, <laughs> that's crazy, man. Super crazy. Like, and the, People don't normally see it. You know? like, yeah. That's no. not like your everyday like stuff like, you know, hearing the footsteps and stuff. Like, yeah, and I've seen people, people walk that, you know? by doors and stuff like yeah. that, but nothing like this. This was just all time, all time. Mm-hmm. And uh, literally every time I go over or I see like Donovan Frankenrider, his wife Petra, yeah. she's always tell the ghost story, tell the ghost <laughs> story. All the kids want to hear it, yeah. you know. Nuts. And uh, I'm like, just go over to the house, man. You can experience <laughs> it yourself. You guys live right around the corner. And uh, but so I tried to find a different place. I couldn't move out. Um, I had to stay in there. My kids were coming to my girlfriend. I didn't even tell those guys until <laughs> after we moved out. Yeah. And then I asked oh, them. I, like, oh, yeah, we're not coming. Yeah. <laughs> I, I asked them, did you guys ever experience anything weird here? And they were, they'd be like, yeah, the TV would turn on and turn off all yeah. the time. And, yeah. you know, but they were kids, so they really didn't think about it. Yeah. And, uh, but the Kapunas, she told me, she was like, look, every single time you walk into the house, just say, Aloha, brother. Hope you had a good day. Acknowledge him, you know, when you hear him. And uh, But, I mean, did you feel like he was, did you feel like he had any, like, Anger. Kind of, like, animosity or anything? I did at first, yeah. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Mm. Um, and then I got over my fear, mm-hmm. and I just talked to him every day when I come in. And sometimes he would still fuck around and do shit. I'd just be like, hey, bro, I know you're here. I got you. Trying to watch the TV, you know. <laughs> Changing my channel, bro. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> All right, what do you want to watch? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I always, I always love to ask other people to see what their experiences were. So I, I, I want to meet your wife. Yeah, I, mean, I want to no. do a podcast with her just yeah, on that. No, she, dude, she's way more interesting than me. Yeah, no, I don't know. You're pretty interesting too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's got like uh, alien experiences and stuff. Really? Too, you know? Yeah, I've got one of those as well. <laughs> Has she been abducted? Abducted? Well, um, you know, she now she 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 believed that she had uh, for a while, but um, but she didn't like. She believed that she had, but she didn't remember it. Uh huh. And um. And she and she kept and she believed that she had 
she kept being visited at at um like at three thirty three at night. Really, every night, like um, that's like a big thing, like you see it on TV. Yeah, well, yeah, it's supposedly, uh, you know, it's kind of like supposedly the time uh, when aliens come. Is the most quiet as okay. well, and so it's like the veil uh, between the spirit world is also very thin, and so that's right. like. Uh, you know, but, but yeah, so she, uh, she, and it was like, um, during her pregnancy with our son, like she was having all these experiences and when mm-hmm. he was born and, and she was like really, really convinced that like they were like interested in him. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe and, demons or something. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know. And she doesn't really know. Um, but she's kind of had like over the years in her spiritual evolution, she's kind of had like different theories about what was going on. And then it's kind of changed. And she's like, yeah, I, I kind of discovered this, this thing. And I'm thinking that's what was happening. And, you know, it's, mm. it's kind of like ever evolving, but like, really she doesn't, you know, in the end, she doesn't really know. And, right. and she kind of had this feeling like, you know, she's, she had been abducted at some point and like, uh, you know, and then, and then she's also like, uh, been in touch with like, you know, this big, like, um, you know, UFO abductee like group and, you know, talk to them. And then, you know, they, they sort of convinced her that she has like some alien DNA and really? yeah. And so, so, you know, it's like getting this ongoing thing and like, I mean, man, I'm, <coughs> I'm, I'm I'm not like the type to uh, I'm not like the type to be very skeptical of things, uh-huh. um, but I'm also not like you know closed minded. I'm not I'm not closed minded, and I'm also not like super like radical to where like I'll just like jump in and 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 jump on a bandwagon. And, right. Like, like I definitely believe in in uh, extraterrestrial life. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Uh, you know, but like. I, but personally, I mean, the only, the only experience I've ever had with it, uh, was, was something that I saw in the sky once. Yeah. What did you uh, say? Uh, well, I saw, I was, I was sitting outside with my friend and I saw, um, you know, you see the satellites going across and right. you just, you know, it's kind of like, looks like a star slowly right. going across the sky. But we were watching and, and there were three of them in a triangle and they were moving together slowly across the sky. And we were like, oh, that's, that's weird. Like, is that like, see is three, like satellites. three satellites moving in, moving like in configuration together? We yeah. were watching them and we were watching them for a couple minutes. And then after a couple minutes, they were slowly going, moving together in a, tri- in a perfect triangle. And then all of a sudden they stopped and they just, all three of them started going like haywire, like super fast. They still look like stars, but just moving like in all kinds of different directions, like all at once for like maybe like five seconds. They just were going like crazy. And then all three shot off in different directions, the opposite directions. Never saw me. Disappeared. Wow. And we just both sat there. I mean, like no, you know, no like LSD or weed or alcohol or anything. We're both totally sober. Right. We're sitting there and we're just like, neither of us spoke for a little while and 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 then i was just like you saw that right and he was just like yeah and then we just like you know i mean it's kind of one of those things where it's like man that was i have no idea what to make of that i have no idea what it was you know uh but but it was definitely some sort of you know craft out there in the universe that I was yeah. I was at my sister's house once in Dana Point, California. And this one time, all our family got together. It was Thanksgiving, 
and uh, we're over at her house, and I I'm, I go outside. And I'm having a cigarette, and uh, all of a sudden, it looks you know like when the helicopters come with their spotlights mm-hmm. and it lights up everything. I'm like, yeah. holy crap! Look at this. I'm like, Dad, come here. My dad was in the Navy, career Navy. Next thing you know, everybody's out on the patio. And this light's coming right at us and lighting up the whole freaking neighborhood. But there's zero sound. Wow. And it's like right above us. You know, like you would hear, if it was a helicopter, yeah. it would like be super loud. There was zero sound. All of a sudden, it just stopped above us. And it's shining this big light on all of us. The whole neighborhood. People are all outside. And then all of a sudden, it just shoots straight up into the stars. Mm. And we watch it just get so tiny, and it happened so fast, and then it just disappeared. It was gone. <laughs> and we're like, what the hell just happened? I'm like, Dad, what the hell was that? You know? He's like, I've never seen anything like that. It's like one of those things where, you know, like, I, I remember exactly seeing that and I, exactly how it happened. And it's like, it's just one of those things where, you know, the more you think about it, you're just like, Wow, did that really happen or right, what, you know? Right. Like, I wish I could just go back and see it again or like yeah. see something like that again, man. I mean, like. It was cool because my whole family saw it. Everybody in the whole neighborhood saw it. Right. It was just nuts. Everybody's like, oh, my God, did you see that? People were talking on the street, you know? Right, but it's weird, right? Because like you tell, like probably most people that you tell that story they'll be like oh yeah, yeah they'll be like oh cool and they'll be thinking like yeah he's just making it up or whatever right. you know but it's like it's just so it's it's one of those things where you really have to see something like that yes to like actually go wow this is that's real you yeah. know it's real and like you hear you know like there's that guy bob lazar who yes. came out and like yes. you know i mean this the stuff that he talks about is like it's so cool man and he's like he's and just like, documented I don't even know you know like yeah I mean, I'm, I'm not sure like all i know is i saw this I, like i worked on these things that like we had no idea how they worked and yeah. like it was definitely nothing that was created on earth and it's just like you know he's like i didn't ever see any aliens or anything i just know i saw their i saw this craft and i'm I like saw their you know, spaceships yeah you know, like we could like we're this was i saw know, him test 30 them. years ago or something and we still can't build anything like that now after having <laughs> it in our possession for that long and you know it's like well i definitely think that's how they got you know the stealth bomber a lot of the stuff that we've came up with are definitely from aliens yeah. No fans or bots. Yeah, and, and I mean it's crazy that he was saying like, yeah, some like some of the stuff was like unearthed and it could possibly be like thousands of years old. Yeah, know? yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's just like wow, you know. But but really, I mean, what's like what what would stop that from happening? If you think life on this planet is finite and there's going to become a time where you know the our distance you know we're we're too close to the sun to mm-hmm. sustain life on earth here or or you know or the sun burns out or whatever you know or or, or i mean and that's there's a good chance that we were brought here right from another one yeah and we're actually the right. aliens you know yeah i mean if you if you like the you know, I've been like reading this book by this guy, Graham Hancock, you mm-hmm. know, who's like yeah. 
Yeah, and, and it's it's really amazing to learn that there was like a, a a super advanced civilization living here on Earth, you know, over twelve thousand years ago. But y- you can see how you know now it's like if you think about almost everything that we everything that we know and all the knowledge that we've collected is being input into these like into into computers right. and um you know and and that's kind of our our basis now for carrying out information and and we're so reliant on technology and on the electrical grid and right. know, stuff it's like you know if there was a, a great cataclysm and and like and civilization was wiped out i mean things would would revert to a a pretty primitive mm. uh, state of living probably pretty quickly without without power without electricity Absolutely. without running water uh you know and 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 if you if you uh combine that with just like ongoing cataclysms that are happening on earth you could see how pretty quickly you know everything could be wiped out and erased. Sure. I, I've seen just going in the jungle, how things, you could have a runway and a building and all kinds of stuff, and you abandon it, yeah. and it just, the jungle just takes, takes it, it over. Yeah. It takes it back, and it wipes out anything that was ever there. Right. And, you then, you, and then you, you know, expound that over 12,000 years and you think well yeah it's no wonder like it's really difficult to for us to find any trace of these ancient civilizations right you ever watch that tv show ancient aliens yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. you know it's like the whole if the whole world burned and the and the right and the oceans rose you know and Mm -hmm. it's like yeah of course there everything would be kind of obliterated right right and so you think like well, how many how many other times did this even happen? Right. And just on this planet, mm-hmm. and, and you know the the universe is so vast, man. It's like it could have been an asteroid. Yeah, you know, a simple asteroid. Well, yeah, I mean that's what it was. That's could obliterate was. everything. That did it. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. It was a it was a giant asteroid that broke up into a bunch of smaller asteroids that just like yeah framed. It's it's Death upon, the, upon the earth. Man. You it's you like, look at every planet. You know, you look at Mars. You look at the moon. You look at every planet, and you see they are just completely covered in impacts. Mm-hmm. You know, and we live in this little life, like oh, it's never going to happen to us, right? I mean, but there's like there are. It's proven are, that it's happened. Yeah, it's happened, yeah. and and there are at. As we speak, there are, you know, asteroids, meteors that are on potential collision courses with us right yeah. now that they know about. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, man. I mean, it's 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 a, it is a crazy thought. I think it's almost more crazy to to hold the belief that it's not possible that right. there's no that there's aliens here, right? You know, or that. I don't think it's I don't think it's that crazy to to hold the belief that there's not aliens here now, but I think it's pretty crazy to hold the belief that there never have been, mm. you know, or 
Well, you look at the old hieroglyphics right. in every civilization, whether it's Mayan, whether it's Egyptian, mm-hmm. um, anywhere back, the Indians, mm-hmm. um, they all show aliens. They all yeah. show spacemen. Yeah. They all show spacecrafts. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's... Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, man. And, and I mean, you know, who... Who knows? I mean, what's out there? What's happened here on this planet? You know that that has yet to be discovered, mm-hmm. and or, or or is even, you know, I mean, maybe there's things that happened here so long ago that it's even impossible to decipher. You know, I mean, who knows? Maybe there was a extremely advanced <coughs> technological situation civilization here a hundred thousand years ago that was completely wiped out and obliterated and there's yeah. just really no trace of it because it's all been consumed back into the earth and- well you look at some of the things that are set are still set up from like the pyramids and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff but they actually show certain grids you know certain places around the world where things match up oh absolutely you know it's pretty yeah. crazy yeah pretty crazy yeah man well you know what um we're getting close to the end of the podcast here um one of the things you know i fell in love with you for was your tribute to chris cornell Mm -hmm. um he meant a lot to me man and um I, i was with him month and a half or so before and uh and you did that song dude it was so beautiful thanks man and uh, I could tell it was really from your heart. And, uh, yeah, dude, you just yeah. totally killed that thing. I mean, uh, you know, he's still, to this day, one of my biggest influences, man. I mean, I, I um, when I was in, in high school, uh, really getting into playing guitar, I started playing guitar when I was 15, I think, 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, I mean, that was that. I mean, those were the, they were the gods then. You know, oh, yeah. Soundgarden, Pearl Jam. My favorite bands were Alice and Chains, Pearl yeah. Jam, Alice and Chains, Smashing Pumpkins. You yeah. know, it's like, man, I I saw Soundgarden play. Uh, I think I was sixteen, and they played at the Blaisdell, and mm-hmm. it was their last show, and they broke up on stage. Right. In the middle of the show, Ben like threw his base 10 feet in the air and walked off stage. Right. And I was just like, what the fuck is happening here? It was like, it was just crazy for me to witness it. And they were so awesome, man. I mean, they just like such an incredible band. And then, um, you know, and then, and then the three of them kept playing. They played a couple songs and then, uh, Kim left and then it was just Matt and Chris and they played maybe one or two more songs. And then, Matt left and and Chris played about like 10 songs just him and his electric guitar. Yeah. And you know they had just released down on the upside. Mm-hmm. He had all those I mean he, what an incredible songwriter man. Yeah. And and like and like you know all of that music was so different. I mean Soundgarden, you know, they're so different from Nirvana or or Pearl Jam or mm-hmm. any of the other bands that came out of that area. They they at that time and they had the same you know of course, they had that same energy behind them and they were feeding off of each other. But Soundgarden was just like, Chris Cornell is a very, uh, is, was musically such a different, a different kind of songwriter, man. And his voice 
is just it's still, yeah, he's like, still to this day, I best mean, voice in rock and roll. Yeah. He's like, he's like the Robert Plant. He's like the Robert Plant of the nineties. Yeah. You know, I mean, I no, remember when I first heard Outshine. Yeah, I was just like, oh my yeah, god. Yeah, I mean, Bad Bad Motorfinger was the first album that yeah. I got into them on, and and yeah, you know, I mean, but but Down on the Upside was such a cool album, and it, he was using all those alternate tunings, and it was mm-hmm. so different than than uh, even Super Unknown, which was an f- incredible album, mm-hmm. and. And it was so cool to hear him just play those songs and he played like Black Hole Sun solo right. on the guitar. And I was like, wow, this is, it was so cool, man. It really inspired me uh, just to think that like this guy who was the the front man of this like super huge powerhouse band um, could like play these songs and still hold an audience after the whole band had just left. Right. And he still held that audience. And it was like to this day, one of the, still one of the greatest shows that I've ever seen, even though they were like fighting with each other on yeah. stage. Like, and, and he just played all these songs by himself with his, just his guitar. And it was amazing, man. Well, that was also the startup of his solo career too, yeah. which. And then, and then I moved to LA yeah. and he released Euphoria Morning. And it was just like, that album is incredible, man. Yeah. And, and I saw him play in LA at the Wiltern, um, mm-hmm. with the, with Eleven backing him up, you know, right. the band that played on that album. And yeah, man. And it was just really, really, I, I love that album, man. That album is, it, that was so cool how he, you know, Soundgarden ended. And then rather than making an album that sounded like Soundgarden with just a new band, it's like he made this whole different thing and those songs mm-hmm. that he wrote on that on that first album especially, man, are just like I still go back and listen to that album all the time, man. All the time. And it's so soulful, you know, and he had all this like blues and soul, mm-hmm. like almost like gospely kind of stuff yeah. on there and just like the lyrics and and gosh, man. I I just yeah, I'm still absolutely in awe of his songwriting, you know, and and you know, back then, man, like it was like a song like Seasons. Yeah. It's like, that wasn't just like, it's like now, you know, you can go, you can find anything. Mm-hmm. But like, if you wanted to find a song like that back then, you kind of had to know, right. you know, like, oh, there's this soundtrack and there's this song on there. And like, mm-hmm. you, you had to go and like find it. And like, nobody ever had that soundtrack in stock. Right. And I finally found it at like Jellies, you know? Right. And I was just Even like, just searching for the movie like singles. Yeah. 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 You know, and it's like that we, we really had to like, you know, if you were a fan, man, you were like at the record shop mm-hmm. all the time, like just like looking for stuff like that. Right. And trying to find, you know, like I had like the, I had like the, um, I had a bunch of like really cool Soundgarden stuff on record. Uh, you know, like all kinds of like, uh, stuff like, like there was a really cool, um, acoustic version of just like suicide that they mm. put on this like uh 45 that i had it's just like so cool man all these like there was a cool really cool sound garden like it was like the special edition of of bad motor finger and they did like five or six covers i think they Whoa. did like a cover of like um like Big Bottom from um, Spinal Tap, you know uh-huh. that song. Yeah, they did yeah, a cover yeah. of. Uh, it was like a medley of Big Bottom and that song um, "Earache My Eye" from um, Cheech and Chong. You know, oh, yeah. to tell me how to live. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. But it was like Soundgarden doing it. Oh, and they recorded yeah. it. It was fucking epic, man. 
So cool. That's but you know, yeah, those guys like, love to have fun. Yeah. And now the Foo Fighters are the are the ones that are keeping it up. Yeah, man. I love to see people having fun. Yeah. So. Yeah, man. You have a lot of fun, dude. Ah, oh, dude. You're about to be on tour. You got the West Coast. Yeah, I'm just doing like I really kind of took a step back this year um, from touring because I toured a lot like the past few years, and I took a step back to make a new album. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we just recorded. Uh, we just started the recording process. We went up to California, and we recorded our whole album live as a as a full band, all to two inch tape, so wow. all analog tape at this really cool old analog studio. It was like uh, Pete Townsend's old Neve console, everything. <laughs> yeah, this beautiful Studer tape machine. Amazing, man. When you hear the sound of tape, it's like I started crying, man. The first time we, we, we got in there, we set up, we all played together. We recorded the first track. Yeah. Um, this really legendary reggae engineer, Jim Fox, flew him down from D.C. to engineer, and he's mixing and mastering everything. And You know, uh we recorded and he said, ah, why don't you guys come inside and listen? And we listened back to the first song and to hear the tape machine played back. Yeah. It was just like, you never heard something so beautiful, man. It's oh. like even just, just raw, unmixed, just the raw tracks through right. that tape machine. I just started crying, man. I just, oh. it was just sounded, it was the most beautiful thing I ever heard. <laughs> and doing that project, it was like just, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really cool. We're still working on it. That's cool. But yeah, it's a, it's actually going to be like a two part, we recorded like two and a half hours of music. So it's a lot of like, I think we recorded 21 songs or something. Wow. A bunch of the songs are like around it, 10 minutes. So do it's, you have a name for the album yet? Uh, not that I'm totally set up, set You're on. You're not going to say it right now. I'm say no. I'm going to unveil to the world. Unveil later. Yeah. Maybe, maybe on another episode okay. of Does Does. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, you're about to do a song for us. Yeah. What song are yeah. you going to sing? I'll sing this tune, uh, No Regrets. I think this is one of my, one of my favorite songs to do. It's a kind of a, uh, it's a song I wrote when my grandfather passed. And, um, my grandfather really was, uh, he was an amazing, amazing person, amazing musician. He was a, he was a pastor and he, uh, he devoted his life to helping people, to taking care of people. And, and, uh, took care of me a lot growing up and awesome and uh and then uh like i said you know my my dad and my sister they all moved away a lot of mm-hmm. my uncles and aunties moved away and then my grandpa had a stroke like towards the end of his life and he was uh you know he was in a wheelchair he you know it, it hit him pretty hard he couldn't really communicate he could still talk but the part of his brain that that um made sense of the words was not working. So he could say words, but they weren't the right words to what he was thinking. Right. If he wanted an apple, he would be like, paperclip, brick. And he would just like sit there trying to, trying to find the word. And he'd know. He and he's like, damn it. Mind, the apple, he could see <laughs> the apple that he wanted in his mind, but he couldn't articulate it. And we kind of had to like, you know, so he went from being like this, um, this, amazingly strong person helping people just devoting his life to helping people to somebody who needed everybody's help and it was like so frustrating for him and i got to be with him during the last five years of his life a lot and and um you know i was kind of like the one that was still at home and and there to help so i helped my grandma out a lot taking care of him and i and i got to really know him in a different way than anybody else did and uh and when he passed, it was like, it was difficult because I, I felt, you know, 
I saw my grandma and even though we knew it was coming, it was really hard for her. And, and he was really the first person that, that was like, and my family that meant a lot to me that I was really close to that passed. And right around the same time, uh, my youngest son was born and, uh, and it was really a, an, an amazing time of reflection for me because I got to see somebody that I love, I, that I love that lived a long life come to the end of their life mm-hmm. and, at this, and, um, and then see the birth of my son and just him waking up into this life. And, and it really made me realize that the two things are, are just the same. Right. You know, and they're just doorways in and out of this life as we pass, you know, from from one mm. life to the next. And, um, you know, and it just made me realize. And right right around the same time, it was a, a friend of mine, his younger sister was 18 and she was at a rave and she took ecstasy and she drank a bunch of water and then she went into a coma because she drank too much water. Oh. And and then she died. Oh. You know, and and it was like I, I went to play music at her he asked me to play music at her memorial and it was like I was thinking about my grandpa and his full life and thinking about my kids and you know, like praying for that right. full life for them, but realizing that we we really don't have control over that right. and that you know, I've had friends that have died young and I've had and I've had friends, you know, even when I was young, I've had young friends that were just children. Uh, you know, my close friend that was my neighbor, he had leukemia and he, mm. you know, he died when he was just a child, you know. Wow. And it's like some of these things like like her passing away and and, you know, at 18 years old. It's like they're so unexplainable and it's so hard to wrap our heads around why these things happen. But, you know, at the risk of of sounding in, insensitive, I think it's just, uh, it's a reminder for us mm-hmm. when something like this happens. It's a reminder for all of us right. that this life is, is unpredictable and we don't really know whether we'll grow old or we'll make Go it to tomorrow. 50 or yeah. we'll make it to 40 or we'll make it to 120 or we'll make it yeah. to, you know, n- or we won't make it to next year or even tomorrow. We, we have no idea. Um, but, but it just reminded me that, you know, we have this time now. Like we're alive, we're here. Yeah. We have this moment to share and we have our kids, you know, we have our parents. If we're lucky, we still have our parents here. If we're lucky, we still have our sisters here, our brothers here, you know, our, our partners. And, you know, we, we have this chance and it's like, we often do take it for granted. And we don't think about that. And so I wanted to write a song that, that reminded me, and I, I actually wrote the song on my way to play uh, at the memorial service. Mm. Um, you know, it just started pouring out and all that. 
just thinking about what would be appropriate to play there. Right. And it just started pouring out and, and, uh, and it kind of ended up being a song that, uh, that has helped a lot of people like in a really hard places. Mm-hmm. Like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people have told me that, you know, I was, I was in a place where I was, I was, I was planning to commit suicide and I wow. heard this song and, and it brought me back from that. And it's wow. like, I, it wasn't my, really my intention, but I see why, I see why that, that has been such a, you know, kind of a prevalent experience with this song in particular. It's because it's about life, it's about the beauty of life, and it's also about life being really hard and, and that all being part of it. And to, like, it's like, you know, sometimes, man, we go through the, toughest shit and we don't know why like why why did this happen why is this happening to me and right. and and it's like you feel so alone and you feel like nobody gets it and you're just like don't know how you can get out of bed and you know and then one day you realize wow like that that actually wasn't that bad and it was just like hard at the time and now right. I realize why that happened it was so I could learn from it and grow exactly and, and it's like you know I, I'm just thankful that a song like this can help people get to that point dude if you saved one life with through, that yeah you know where they can break through that wall yeah. because like the thing that I realized in experiencing this is like man I don't know if it's if it's hundreds of times i've heard that story it's at least in the hundreds if not in the thousands that i've heard that exact story like this song brought me back from a place yeah. where i was like thinking about ending it all and 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 you know it's like if it's that if i hear that so much it just makes me think well fuck man i've been there too you know yeah. i'm sure you've been there too mm-hmm. and i realized that everybody has been there and so if if we all go there from time to time and we all get to that super dark place where it like doesn't seem like it's worth it. Right. Then it's it's really just a part of life and it really is like something that you can say when you're there if it helps you. You know, I'm going to get through this because everybody else gets through it too. And even though I feel so alone, even though I feel like I can't relate to anybody, really I'm relating to everybody right now because right. everybody goes through this. And if I can just make it through this, it'll get better and it'll it'll always get better. It will, you know. It's always like you will. can't just stay in that place and you know, you can feel like the you know, the whole world is weighing, weighed, weighing down on your chest and, and you can't breathe, but you know, you just keep breathing and keep breathing and talk to somebody. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's all about communication. Call me. Yeah. Call you. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I've lost a couple friends already this year to, to yeah. suicide. And like, it's like you just, that's what everybody says, you know, like, oh man, I wish, I wish they just called me. You know, I wish they just, I, I would have, just gone over to their house and talked to them. I wish they just called I would have dropped anything. Yeah. And it's like, that's the thing is like, you don't, you don't see what's happening and, and, and we don't, and, and when you're in that place, you're not showing 
anybody what's happening because it's something that you've been pushing down and pushing mm-hmm. down and like paving over and hiding for years. And probably. they're usually feeling so alone. Yeah. And you don't feel like you can talk to anybody on us. So you push it down and then it's okay. And you go on a little further and then, you know, a little yeah. bit more and you push it, but it stays there and it's festering deep down in there mm-hmm. and it's growing. And it's like, it's, it's amazing how when you do have the courage to just like admit to somebody, whether it be your wife, your friend, or a stranger, or anybody, or mm-hmm. a therapist, or a helpline, or a hotline. Yeah. It's amazing how, when you start vocalizing it, all of a sudden you connect with your higher self and you start saying things that were problems that you were having that you didn't even really realize until you started vocalizing it right. and then you start working it out and all of a sudden it's like this great weight lifts and then yeah and then it's like I the sun be- comes out and you're yeah. like f- the next day it's like you're feeling like wow i feel like a million times better mm-hmm. and it, all it takes is 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 talking about is communication man yeah yeah so sure. i'll share the song okay um now where can everyone find you at um, well, on uh, social media, not with your address, but <laughs> <laughs> it's right past the pier. No, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's music.com And, okay. um, and I think my Instagram is music mm-hmm. and, uh, Facebook is MikeLove808. 808. 808. Yeah. Which is our area code for. And your phone number is 808-957-1422. Yeah, and I think, I mean, you know, if you go on my website, there's links yeah. to all that stuff. But I'm mostly, honestly, like I have I have Twitter and I have Facebook, but I cool. mostly do stuff on Instagram just because, it, you know, yeah. and I'm not even on that that much. I have, luckily I have, I have a, a good management team that, that takes care of a lot nice. of that stuff because I, you know, I, I mean, I think like, Probably like a lot of people, it's like you, you, you easily, I easily get sucked into it. So I try and like, uh, I've tried to just, uh, distance myself from it so it doesn't consume my life, you know? Right. right. Well, Mike, thanks for being on the show. Thanks everyone for tuning in. And here is No Regrets. Life is just a test 
life ain't over yet. So please remember not to forget a newborn baby's cry. The very first tears they are so hopeful and. Great grandfathers died after many years. It is a circle of teenagers find love. They screw it all up. They are so fearful, yet somehow it. Oh, this life is not a curse, no. But there will be hard times, and it will get worse. But always do your best. And always remember. You are blessed.
Wow, what a great song, Mike. And thanks for being on the show. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And special thanks to our sponsors for making this happen, such as GoPro. GoPro has been transforming the way people visually capture and share their lives. What began as an idea to help athletes self-document themselves engaged in their sport, GoPro has become a standard for how people capture themselves engaged in their interests, whatever they may be, from extreme to mainstream, professional to consumer. GoPro enables the world to capture and share its passion in the form of immersive and engaging content. Uh, For more information, visit them at GoPro.com or find them on all social media such as YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And uh, make sure you go to GoPro.com and visit Doze Nose over there for a promo code and get some cool stuff. They've got uh, really good deals going on on their Hero 7 Blacks, the new prison camera. You've seen Shane Dorian do a trip in Australia with that thing uh, with a bunch of the boys. And um, that thing is just ridiculous, so go check them out. Um, Hurley, the brand of uh, now and tomorrow. Um, I remember when Bob started this this business back in 1999. Surfing was all about being cooler than the other guy and keeping it as exclusive as possible. With the launch of Hurley, Bob changed the perception of what surfing can be. For him, it's all about positivity, inclusiveness, making the absolute best product, and empowering the next generation. Fast forward to, to fast forward to today, and his vision has never been more relevant. Hurley makes the best board shorts in the world, hands down, and there's so much more to the brand, from their partnership with Nike to the work on clean drinking water and access um, to their support of John John Florence and Chris Moore. Um, Hurley is brand of now and tomorrow for surfers and anyone else interested in getting in the water, go check them out at Hurley.com. Green energy drink is the most badass energy drink on the planet. Um, it is the go-to beverage for surfers, divers, hunters, pretty much anyone who lives an action-packed lifestyle. This certified organic brew contains a powerful green tea to give you a natural boost. Hydrated coconut water to keep you going strong and kale to keep your body loaded up with all the phytonutrients you need. Look, guys, if you guys haven't tried green superfood brew yet, you don't know what you're missing. Uh, but the good news is that I have a promo code. And if you go to drinkgreenenergy.com um, and enter a promo code DOZNOS, and you get 20% off anything they have. They uh, ship for free, and it's 20% off anything that they have. So go check them out at drinkgreenenergy.com. Uh, put in promo code DOZNOS. Uh, Kona Boys. Uh, they're the one-stop shop for ocean fun. They operate a legit selection of local-style activities, including historical va'a rides, paddleboard tours, and lessons. And they're the one-stop shop for ocean fun. Um, I said that already, yes. So if you need rentals for boards, bikes, and boogies, and other beach goodies, Kona Boys is your spot. They have two official stores. One is down in Captain Cook. The other one is down at the King Kamehameha Beach Hotel at Kamakahone Bay. And uh, just go in there and tell them you heard it on Does Does. Get 20% off. Go check them out online 
at conoboys.com. Same thing. Enter in promo code DOZNUS. Get 20% off. Go say hi to Frank and Brock. You can find them on all social media as well. Um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. At Kona Boys. Um, Kona Coffee and Tea. It's where my, I get my morning crack on every morning. They have the best coffee in the world. Look, They grow this stuff up on the slopes of Hualalai and bring it down and roast it for us fresh every single day. You've heard of Kona Coffee. You usually get a blend. Well, over here, you're going to get the real deal. 100%. It is legit. You're going to love it. Tell them you heard it on Doze Nose. They're going to get you all jacked up. Um, you can find them online at KonaCoffeeandTea.com. Uh, same thing with on social media. Kona Coffee and Tea at Kona Coffee and Tea. Uh, Maverick Sport Fishing. Um, Captain Trevor Child. Badass motherfucker. This guy catches all the fish in town. He's got a sick boat. Uh, it's air-conditioned. Bedrooms, bathrooms, living room, kitchen. Uh, they will take you out on the excursion of your life. Uh, try and get you that thousand-pound marlin or a big ahi or some ono or mai-mai. Um, maybe you'll see some dolphins and some whales. Who knows what you're going to see out there. Uh, but it's so rad on this boat. You're going to go home with some fish, hopefully. Uh, give them a call at 808-896-7985 or go visit them at mavericksportfishingkona.com. Book your next starter with these guys. Tell them you heard it on those nose, and they will get you hooked up, literally. Ah. All right, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And until next time, ah-hoo-hoo. Everybody knows those now. Everybody knows those now. Everybody knows those. And if you don't know.